What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome to the next episode of the Matt Baxter Show. On this episode, I'm hanging out with Dave Kirpin, who is a serial entrepreneur, New York Times bestselling author, global keynote speaker, but that's just what his LinkedIn says. The guy himself, he's been a childhood TV star. He started multiple tech ventures. He's invested in tons of different companies around the world. He's a CEO and founder of Likeable Leaders. He's currently running a company called Apprentice. He's just all over the map when it comes to having an influence on people, building sweet companies, and just having a greater impact than just himself. Love this episode. Love the time that I had a chance to spend with him and just really, really enjoy everything that Dave is doing. Thanks a ton. Well, Dave, thanks for being a guest on the Wedgecast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited. I mean, obviously, you have a very, very unique story from being an entrepreneur. You're a New York Times bestselling author. It sounds like you've had some pretty interesting uh, childhood guest appearances on some shows as well, too, from what I can tell. So I'm excited to hear your story. Yeah, it's definitely a unique story. We have unique stories, but I've had quite a few adventures over the years. Um, grew up in New York, went to school in Boston on a full scholarship. Thought I wanted to be a teacher from the time I was in third grade up until senior year of college. Um, I started working as a ballpark vendor up in Fenway Park in the ballpark. And the way that that business works is you're paid only based on how much you sell commission as well. And it's also a seniority based system. So you have to work for years to sell the, uh, the hot dogs and the beer that make a lot of money. So my first day on the job, I had a product called crunch and munch. I sold six boxes. I got paid the legal minimum of $10 and I came back the second day determined to make more money and sell more product. And 
over the next few weeks, I developed a shtick and with some singing, some dancing and some juggling boxes and just trying to get people's attention. And I was able to, um, at my peak, uh, after doing a lot of media and really turning it into a kind of a local sensation, I was making $1,000 a game and uh, really supporting myself. It was obviously a great living for a college student. And so, so who taught who taught you the the you got to do something a little bit different? Obviously, was it just a matter of hey, I made the I made the house minimum or the legal minimum to be paid, and and you thought, man, I'm not okay with that, or did somebody did somebody poke you and say you got to do something different, or what? No, what no, yeah, I'm just I'm sort of a self starter, I guess. So that was really my first entrepreneurial experience, even though I wasn't uh, technically an entrepreneur. I was sort of an entrepreneur within the confines of the, of the company, and yeah, I, was, I wasn't there to watch a baseball game if I was going to make a living. And so I, I knew that I had to do things differently if I was going to, uh, if I was going to make, make, make a, a, be, a better living than the minimum. Yeah. $10 or, uh, you know, six boxes of crunch or, uh, the, the, what you were selling probably didn't cover a lot of rent money. So you needed a little bit more than that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that experience, um, turned me on to entrepreneurship and turned me on to sales and marketing and PR and, um, ended up, uh, working eventually i had one horrible job and i can talk about that later in the downtime but i had one bad job selling insurance and then i ended up at a radio disney selling uh for the disney company and i was the top salesperson in the country until this woman started working at my office and she dropped me to number two so i knew i had to uh uh marry her and go into business with her can't beat him join him um, of course, that's one way to do it. Say, there's, I'm not, I'm never going to be better than you, so I might as well, you know, marry you. <laughs> I fell madly in love with her. There was one uh, slight challenge at the moment, is that uh, she was married already, and so, uh, much to my dismay, I, I, I could not convince her to leave her husband for me, and she ended up moving to New York from Boston and focusing on her. Um, marriage and seeing if she can make it work and I did what anyone with unrequited love would do I went on a reality TV show to love, uh, sleazy show on Fox called Paradise Hotel and uh, about a year later I was living in Los Angeles to D-list celebrity and uh, I still I still really missed her even though I hadn't uh, you know I had worked very hard to let her go but I still had a piece of me that that missed uh, that woman from Disney and so I called her up and uh I was at the American Music Awards and I called her up kind of to brag, I guess, like a, you know, like, I'm hanging out with, you know, the cast of American Idol. What are you doing? And she said, well, you know, I'm uh, at home and uh, I'm actually going through a divorce now. And I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yes. And uh, moved, uh, or uh, took a flight to New York, told her a little white lie saying that I had to meet with my agent in New York. Of course, you always um, have you always have business that you happen to be in the area for a woman, exactly. right? <laughs> always, always. And so we started dating, and I got to fall in love with her a second time. And uh, that time it worked out much, much better. Uh, we we got married, and again with that entrepreneurial kind of spin, we we didn't have enough money to afford the wedding uh, that I wanted to have. And she had been married before and had spent a fortune on a New York wedding that that led to a divorce within a couple of years. And so. We had an idea to partner with the baseball team and we created a sponsored uh, wedding promoter called Our Field of Dreams. And we got married at the end of a game, raised about $100,000 in sponsorships to cover the cost of the wedding. It was just awesome for me as a baseball fan, but it turned out to be a very, very successful marketing event as well. And our vendors uh, said to us, this was amazing. Uh, we got so much press out of this. Uh, what are you guys going to do next? And we couldn't get married again. So we started our first company together. Um, that was back in 2006, and 
uh, since then I've been, I've started a number of companies and written a number of books and, um, and had a number of kids and, uh, I could go on for a lot longer in terms of the story, but, um, the, the thread is that, uh, thanks to a wonderful partner and thanks to, uh, hopefully some creativity and some out of the box thinking, uh, in terms of, and some, some persistence in terms of my entrepreneurial, uh, visions uh i've been very very fortunate and have a have a life that i i uh, back back in the dark days i could could even dreamed of so i i myself very blessed and very grateful that's amazing so out of all your different entrepreneurial uh idea concepts whether the ones that have worked or didn't work or whatever that is what, what would you say are the ones that push the boundaries of your skill set the most yeah, good question. I would say that um, the one that puts the boundaries of my skill set the most is Likeable Local, our, my second venture. It's a software as a service, and um, I am not a software guy. I'm not. I'm not a coder. I, I don't know. I know. I know just enough now to be a little bit dangerous, but not actually build any actual single lines of code. I'm, I'm, smile, I'm smiling because I run a tech startup and literally I have used almost to a T that exact same statement of, I know, I don't know what I'm doing. I know enough to like sort of understand the language, but not by any means do anything productive with it. So I, I totally can relate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, really hard. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a, a partner in that business that is a, is a brilliant coder. So that's good, but it's still, it's just hard when you're so far out of your comfort zone. It's hard for me when I'm out of my, my comfort zone. I, I can sell, I can market, I can, think big, I, I can't build uh, software. And so that's definitely uh, a challenge. Yeah. Cool. Um, so let's let's move into a little bit of the, the book writing. So what was the inspiration behind that? Was that something you, you tripped into? Is that something you had from, you know, the get go of back in the day, you always wanted to write a book? I mean, what was the inspiration that ultimately led up to that? Yeah, both. So I, I definitely always had it thought I had it in me like to write a book. I think a lot of people do uh, in, in surveying quite a few people over the years. When you really take it, people, people want to share their story and, and uh, which is why, you know, podcasting is so popular, right? It's exactly why I wanted to start this podcast. And, and it becomes really easy because everybody likes sharing their story. <laughs> exactly. So, so people like to share their story. And so I, I always thought, yeah, it'd be cool to write a book, but I, but like most people also, I never really went out of my way to make that happen. And, uh, Fortunately, we were real early on in the social media game. I didn't say this, but our, the company that we started after the wedding was really more of a word of mouth experiential marketing company. The social media had barely existed. And we pivoted very early on in 2007 when Facebook opened up uh, beyond uh, uh, college students and um, started focusing on digital word of mouth and social media marketing. And so we were really amongst the very first agencies to be doing that. And because of that, uh, and because we were early on and blogging and working with lots of big brands, I was, uh, I was able to, uh, I guess, establish myself as an expert in a time at a time where there weren't experts because it was all, it was all brand new. And so um, I got a call from uh, McGraw Hill, uh, editor, uh, Nikki and said, Hey, we'd love to do a book with you. And that was super cool. Your own. <laughs> and, 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 and the rest is history. That was, um, I was called likable social media and it's still to date one of the top selling social media books of all time. And it's been translated to 13 languages and um, for better or for worse, when you do a social media book, uh, it becomes, uh, it, beco it it's necessary to update it often. We're already in our third edition. 
uh, that just came out earlier this year. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been really it's been really great. And I, more important, I've been, done a number of books since then, and I've helped a lot of people sort of pull that book out of them and figure out how to either self-publish it or or, or, or or get it, you know, published through a traditional publisher and, and, and help those people tell their story as well. Sure. So would you say that um, after you wrote your first book, does the second book get easier? Does it get harder? Does it, do you look at yourself in the mirror naked and say, what am I doing wrong all the time? I mean, what, what what's the experience from first book to, to all the other ones? Yeah, it's a great question. And it is definitely gets easier. It's always hard. Yeah. It's always hard staring at a blank piece of paper and sort of it's a lot like entrepreneurship, right? It's really, you're just built, you're, you're you can't, you can't think yourself into it, right? Yeah, it's gotta, yeah exactly. <laughs> and you got, you got to, at the end of the day, no matter what your idea is, you got to actually make it happen. Right. So, but, yeah. um, yeah, but it definitely gets easier. Writing a book was the hardest thing I ever did. Writing my first book was the hardest thing I ever did professionally until I fundraised from venture capitalists. And that became the hardest thing, but not by a lot. They're both really, really hard. And the thing about the book, that book um, but it, it does get easier, you know, you sort of get figure out, especially if you have a style and if you have a, a format that you know works, um, uh, it get it gets a little easier. Well, if you're relating the challenges of raising capital to writing a book, I've raised one round of capital. We're about to go through our second round. And I would say the first round was one of the worst things I've ever done. And the second round is not that much easier. It's just slightly in some different ways. So I, I, I can echo that. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really, it, 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 I, it, I think it is similar and similarly hard. And, 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 and I think, I guess like anything, the second, third time you do something, it gets a little easier uh, just because you know what to expect and you know, you know, in the case of VC, of raising money, the do and the BS that you have to sort of, sort of do. And um, yeah, but hey, if you're raising a second round, kudos to you because we, uh, you know, with each round you raise, it gets, it gets progressively more difficult to, uh, to, to build the kind of company that is worth not necessarily to raise the money, but but to build the, the the sort of company that at the end of the day you can't keep raising you alone. You got to actually again execute. So that's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's a talk about learning curve. Um, so question number one that's going to lead into a second question. But what would you describe as your definition of success? And I, I don't ask that in the sense that everybody asks that question, but I, I have a we're going to go with that with something. So. I'd love to hear your sort of definition of what you feel like success is. Yeah, I love the I love the question. I love the topic, and it's there's so much opportunity for different answers. Uh, but for me, success is um, feeling like I am making the world a better place and leaving the world better for as many people as I possibly can. Hmm. So, out of everything you've done in your career, what's the most successful thing you feel like you've done? Well, good, good, good question. It, it depends whether you take my last answer and go with quality or quantity. So, so quantity-wise, um, my first book, because I've sold the most copies. Uh, Art of People, my most recent book, is going to catch up soon and then sort of potentially catch up. But in as much as I've sold the most copies of the book, I know, I know, I know it's impacted the most people, et cetera. Um, and, and it's possible to do that with companies as well, of course, but most companies don't reach the scale of millions of people the way books can, right? So that's just a reality. Sure. Um, uh, but if you go with quality, 
Um, there's only a couple, three, three, three people that I've impacted, um, but I've uh, in this way. But I've impacted them uh, a lot, lot more than I've impacted the um, my 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 readers, my books readers, and that would be you know my success as a father raising three children. Well, hopefully the impact that I've had on them and the impact that they'll have on the world um, because of me. So uh, that, again, quantity wise, first book, quality wise, uh, three, three kids. Amazing. Amazing. So throughout the course of your career, I alluded to this a little bit as far as your skill set, but what would you say was the most challenging way in the way that on this podcast, I like to ask that question was, you know, was there a season throughout the course of your life that maybe you didn't want to get out of bed or not even necessarily literally, but just like that you weren't necessarily Dave, you weren't, you weren't in your zone. And, and what, what was that experience like? And sort of what was the transition out of that? Obviously, since you're kicking out another book and, you, and you're still running different companies. So obviously things are back on track, but I guess what, what was that like? Yeah. So I, I'll point to a couple of really dark periods in my life. The first uh, was after I, after I finished, uh, after I left the uh, bending job where I sort of figured I have a college degree and even though I'm making great money, I should put it to use. So I took this, I was recruited by a lot of like fans of mine in the vending days. And one was this insurance group. And I was recruited to be a financial planner out of college. And I was actually making great money. I was, it was basically insurance sales, financial sales. I was making great money, but I, I felt very uncomfortable with what I was selling. And I was selling a lot of products that were high commission and helpful for me and for the company and weren't necessarily helpful for the people I was selling them to. So I had a real qual, a uh, real crisis of, um, of uh you know sort of uh morality uh and i ended up leaving the company which was great um so but but that time where i was struggling when i was doing something i felt not so good about by the way my boss at that at the company that i left ended up going to federal penitentiary so um uh i my guts were right that it was not such a great place yeah um, but then there was something was going on there that you wanted to get out of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then there were some dark months that they followed because I didn't have anything. You know, I left a job without without any plan or without anything to do. And so I was like delivering pizzas and just trying to make ends meet for a bit. Um, I, I guess um, to have gone from being this famous vendor to like being this like sort of like really lost person and really hard. What got me out of that was um, my favorite career book that I've, I've recommended uh, to a few hundred people uh, over the years. It's called What Colors Your Parachute? It's a, one of the best-selling career books of all time. And it really helps you figure out like, okay, these are your skills. These are your interests. These, uh, this is the type of organization where you see yourself and then just like make it happen. And I, I read the book. I did the hard work that the book uh, suggests. And that's what, ended, that's what uh, helped me end up at Radio Disney. I just called them up and said, hey, I need to work there. I love, I love kids. I love, I love marketing. Um, uh, I'm probably the only you know, straight male, non-parent uh, that's listening to Radio Disney in the world. I'm listening to it and dig in the pop music and you know like i need to come to work for you and they, they said yes and that was a, a game changer for me um yeah. and the other really dark time was after after uh, the, the the reality show that i was on after paradise hotel i was famous um for nothing i was famous for having been on a tv show and not having actually done anything so i like to think of that as the sort of anti-entrepreneur i was getting paid to show up at bars and nightclubs and malls and sign autographs, but I, I wasn't give bringing any value whatsoever to the world. And uh, that was that was actually really unhappy place. Um, and you know, people have given me some 
some some some crap for it over the years when I when I write about that or talk about that because they're like, you dude, you were famous, you were you were you know getting girls, you were you know doing all the things that on the surface you would think are awesome. But the bottom line is, I'm just sharing my truth when I say that it was a really really dark and 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 hard. There were some days where it was hard to get out of bed. You know, it was a really dark time for me. And what I did in addition to ending up you know sort of going back uh, to um, the, the woman that, that I talked about, Carrie, um, I, I, I took that opportunity then to put my teaching degree to use for the first time. And I taught math for three years in New York City and in, in, in the public schools. And I saw that on your LinkedIn. I was I was curious what would the, that would seem like a bit of a career diversion. I was curious what that was. Yeah. I mean, what was so great about that was that here I was going from bringing no value to the world to having super tangible value each and every day. I'm, 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 I'm teaching kids math. And, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't do it for too long, too much of an kind of creative, and, but I had the best time inside my classroom. And to this day, I have kids, you know, my former students that, that reach out to me all the time. And I, I had this whole Mr. K math money mania going on where kids would earn money that they, that they would then trade in for prizes. And it was, it was great. I, I, I really loved it. Um, and, and uh, you know, in another planet, I would have continued along the lines of education and, and public service and, and become a, a school superintendent and then run for the run for Congress. And, and, you know, and who knows what might happen in the long run, I'm still super committed to making the world a better place. And I think there are ways to do that from the private sector and ways to do it from the public sector. And so, you know, I, I took my turn as a, as, as doing it from the public sector as a teacher for a few years. And now I've been able to impact the world in some, you know, from the private sector, but who knows what the future will will bring but yeah those are those two times were were some very dark times and and it's it's um the reality is no matter how successful any of us are we all have dark times and we all have times where we doubt ourselves and we doubt our path and we doubt you know what we're going to do and so um that's why i always ask people what they want to be when they grow up and i sort of talk about what i want to be when i grow up like okay so what whatever you've done like that doesn't necessarily mean that's that's what the future is going to be, you know? Right. Totally. Yeah. Why? Well, I, I don't know if it's, if it's easy for you to share those things or not, but I appreciate it. Cause that's, you're, you're offering up a bit of vulnerability. So that's, that's amazing for you to do so. So thank you. So I guess ultimately, you know, the transition here is from, from that, what is it that ultimately now today gets you out of bed in the morning? You've alluded to the fact you want to make the world a better place. You've alluded to the fact that you want to have an impact on those, maybe from a macro perspective, writing books and a micro perspective, kids, wife, you know, really, really important things as well too. But do you have sort of a, a Dave tagline of, you know, what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning the most? Yeah. I mean, I think you need to hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, I guess the sort of official tagline is to create a more likable world, um, which sort of brings in my, my, oh, that, that'd be a great, that'd be a great name of a company. I wonder what that's about. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of brings in, brings in the, the brand and a couple of the companies and a couple of the books, et cetera, et cetera. But, but the reality is, yeah, I mean, I want, I want to make the world a better place and I want to impact as many people as I can. And, um, I've been able to do, I am on my school board locally too. And so I'm able to help the the town of Port Washington, New York, and I'm able to uh, hopefully help my kids and my family. And, and um, my latest venture is called Apprentice. I'm really excited about it. What we're doing is we're, we're matching up. So with my first uh, couple companies, I hired a lot of college students and um, I would, I would manage them while they were in school. They would, you know, sort of be my executive assistant and then they would come to work for me full time when they graduated. And I ended up with some terrific rock stars that I was able to teach and mold and, and, and they have been able to help my companies and I've been able to help them in their careers for a long time. So my latest um, uh, apprentice, he worked for me for two years. And then he said to me, Dave, like this whole concept of you, 
teaching me and me, you know, providing a lot of value for you. Like, it's really a great concept. We, we should scale it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It's a great idea. Done. Easy. <laughs> you went from being my college student, executive assistant to being my business partner and co-founder on uh, Apprentice, which is our latest uh, venture. And the idea is to, the, the big, hairy, audacious goal is to create 1 million mentors. And the idea is to connect, that we connect um, uh, CEOs and other uh, business executives with college students that are super ambitious, hungry, driven, smart. Um, and they serve as their remote EA slash COO, CMO, CFO in training, because these kids are not like your typical EA track. They're like right. brilliant kids. And uh, they we work. Just, we just literally hired a student on LinkedIn who reached out to me and said, hey, I want to work for free. I just want to be a part of what you're doing. I said, done, hired. And yeah. Although I will, I will share <laughs> having, having previous, when a previous company I, with, with, with Likeable at one point, I had 60 interns. All I will say that to you is, uh, is that we, that many, many lawsuits with big media and marketing companies have changed the economics of sure. and, 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 and we, we, it, I find it very, very important to pay. So I'm just saying that you never know who's listening, whatever it is. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the caveat to that is we ended up paying, I had said, you're not working for me for free, but sure. he reached out and that showed me he was ambitious enough. So I said, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's my latest venture. And, 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 you know, I, I think that I love mentorship. I've been so blessed to have had some great, great mentors in my life. And I, I'd like to think I've been, um, I, I'm doing this podcast now on my Thursday afternoon office hours, but in addition to podcasts, I mentor quite a few people during this time uh, that just wanna just wanna talk and ask questions and whatever. And so with this company, I'm, I'm trying to kind of scale that, that concept and figure out a way to create a value exchange where everybody wins. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I want to, uh, you know, leave you a space. Is, is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? This has been awesome. It's been fun to hear your story. But yeah, is there anything else you want to you want to wrap things up with? Well, I'll, I'll just share that, you know, one of my core values is responsiveness. So if people have questions, comments, thoughts, they can hit me up on uh, on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter. And um, sometimes it takes a long time for me to respond, but I respond to every single person that that writes to me and they can either oh, if people want to hang in my Thursday afternoon office hours, they can go to scheduledave.com and um, uh, sign up for some time, some free time with me. No, no, no strings attached. So happy to do that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you being a guest. This has been awesome. My pleasure. My pleasure. Hit me up with your, tell me a little bit more about you, your, uh, your company that you're building and how it can be helpful, uh, offline. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Appreciate it.